What keeps you stuck is a combination of your emotional triggers, behavioral patterns, and environmental conditioning. Until you can actually understand that the unavoidable pre precursor to change is acceptance, you cannot alter things. So until you recognize that you've got a deep level of shame that impacts your self-worth, which makes you not able to sell your actual work at what it's worth in the external world because you don't even value it yourself, then you're not ever going to actually close that gap and put yourself on a path to succeed. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Creative Chats. It's the podcast for artist makers and content creators where we talk about creativity, the creative process, and story. I'm your host, Mike Brennan. You can connect with me over on Instagram. I'm at MikeBone. And you can check out some of my work, which is on my website, MikeBrennan.me. I'd also love to extend an invitation to you to join our free Facebook group called Daily Creative Habit. It's where all types of creatives are showing up to say, I want to be more consistent with my creativity and craft. And if you would like to be a part of that community, we would love to have you. Go to dailycreativehabit.com to sign up to be a part of that group. Also, you can sign up for the free Daily Creative Habit newsletter. This is a newsletter that comes twice a week right now. It comes Mondays and Fridays. The newsletter is packed with resources and inspiration and also daily prompts that are centered around creativity. And it doesn't matter if you're a visual artist, musician, content creator, what your creative expression is. These prompts are designed to get you thinking and engage with your own creativity and establish your own daily creative habit. Go to dailycreativehabit.com and subscribe today. On this week's episode, I get to sit down and have a chat with Brian Bogert. And Brian is a new friend of mine. I met earlier this year at my other friend, Justin Shank, who has been on this podcast as well, his event in uh, Pennsylvania. And we immediately clicked around creativity. I love his energy. I love how he just looks to impact people with his own story and journey, sharing how people really need to work through some of the pain, some of the trauma that they've experienced and be more aware and embrace authenticity, vulnerability. We talk about some of these things and how they tie into creativity. And uh, it's just an amazing episode filled with so many great insights that I know you're going to want to listen to this more than once. And I'm not going to belabor the points here trying to explain more ahead of time. I want to just let you hear from Brian himself because he is just that uh, amazing and articulate in explaining how he wants to show up and help people be the people that they really need to be for themselves and for the world around them. So without further ado, here is my creative chat with Brian Boker. Well, Brian, welcome to the Creative Chats podcast, man. I'm happy that you're here today. Yeah, dude, I am too. I uh, After meeting you a couple of months ago, I, I, I know that we were trying to get this together. So looking forward to where this goes today, brother. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just hearing a little bit about your story previously and just just a hallway conversation we had that we were just referencing. Um, I know that there's going to be some really great conversation today that's going to be helpful for other people. So um, for anyone who, who doesn't know who you are, uh, could you just give us like a little soundbite of who you are, what you do? Yeah. So um, Brian Bogert, I, I, who I am, I always have to start with this. I'm a husband and father first, deeply intellectually curious and fascinated by human behavior and performance. 
and somebody who's been on a journey that has experienced massive amounts of pain physically, spiritually, emotionally, and mentally. And so as a practitioner of pain, I now work to make sure that people understand how to embrace the pains in their life to avoid suffering and to really deal with the things that are keeping them stuck or blocked around the emotional triggers, behavioral patterns, or environmental conditioning so that we can really allow people to be authentically who they are at the core. Um, and I started with being a husband and father first, you know, our, our goal to impact over a billion lives as quickly as possible and allowing people to stand on their own two feet, not just confident, but convicted in who they are, uh, knowing that the world's not going to just accept them, but embrace them for who they are is a mission that I'm fulfilling to be able to make sure that there's a better world for my kids and my grandkids. Mm, yeah. I love that you use the word authentic too, uh, because that's something that, that rings true to my core, as far as a core value. Um, when people can show up as being as authentic as possible, um, I think everybody wins. And sometimes, uh, and I'm sure you you will attest to this, it takes a lot of work to uncover what that really is for a lot of people um, to figure out, you know, who am I? How am I showing up in this world? And um, knowing myself and then letting others know who I am, right? That's what I'm so passionate about. That's why all of our businesses have cover some element of who. I mean, everything we're doing is to either help people discover who they are, who they're doing this for, who they're doing this with, or who they're going to impact in some form or fashion, because I genuinely believe in who before what. And I was one that chased what for a long time, right? And I had all the what's I ever wanted in my life. But the ult I paid the ultimate cost, which was I didn't know who I was anymore. I literally had lost who I was. And so that's what we focus so much on is really being able to help people heal the layers of pain and shed the layers of armor that are preventing them from being who they authentically are, right? Yeah. And uh, learning things like vulnerability and authenticity, which I believe are the glue that binds human connection. And mm -hmm. so if we can really understand that these are the things that we all want and desire, then how do we put ourselves into a position so that we can feel and heal long enough so that we can move forward and be more connected? Yeah. Yeah. You have a very powerful story uh, that I was able to hear, you know, at uh, the conference we were at together. And um, would you just mind sharing just a little bit of that just for context for people so yeah. that they know you're not just talking about this stuff like from a book you read or from, you know, whatever course, but your, yeah. your real life experiences, you know? Yeah. Uh, when I was seven, uh, it was August 10th, 1992. I was out of Walmart with my mom and my brother to get a one inch paintbrush to finish a home improvement project. And as we headed back to the car, I was the first one there. I, I, anybody who's listened to this for more than a second knows I talk fast. I also walk fast. I move. I have a lot of energy. So I was there. I was ready to get home with that paintbrush to use, but this was back in the days before there was key fobs and my mom and brother were a few feet behind me. So I had to wait for them to catch up. My mom to reach in her purse, grab the keys, stick the keys in the door and turn them so that we could go on our way. And when that happened, a truck pulled up in front of the store Driver and middle passenger got out and the passenger all the way to the right felt the truck moving backwards. So he did what anyone else would do. Mike, he's going to put his foot on the brake, but he instead hit the gas. Combination mm -hmm. of shock and force threw him up on the steering wheel, up on the dashboard. And before you know it, he's catapulting 40 miles an hour across the parking lot right at us with no time to react. Went up under the median, went up under the tree in the median, hit our car, knocked me over, ran over me diagonally, tearing my spleen, leaving a tire track scar on my stomach and continuing on to completely sever my left arm from my body. You know, 30th anniversary of the accident was just last week. We went back to the accident site with my mom, my brother, and my dad, and we really had an opportunity to walk through what specifically happened. And I also had the opportunity to meet the person that I've also talked about in the story forever for the very first time. You see, there was a nurse that was on site. And the only reason that I'm here today is because of her choice to go into action versus turning her head to go on with her day. She saw the literal life and limb scenario in front of her, and she rushed immediately into action. She came over and stopped the bleeding on the main wound and saved my life. She instructed some innocent bystanders to run inside, grab a cooler, fill it with ice, and get my detached limb on ice within minutes. 
So I got to talk to this woman who saved my life for the first time on the 30th anniversary last Wednesday, wow. which was a magical moment. But the reality of it is, is there was a 30 year cycle that took place and a whole lot of healing that had to happen and a lot of success in business and relationships and different things, but also a lot of pain, a lot of separation and a lot of gaps. And so I've had to do a lot of healing. And to your point, exactly the way and the modalities with, we with which we teach, the, the concepts with which we talk about, they aren't coming from a book that I read. They're universal truth. They aren't mine, but the way that I communicate about them is truly the pathways that we've created healing in our own life. And then we've allowed that to permeate out into the lives of all of those around us, including our clients who come to us to really be able to create more joy, freedom, and fulfillment in their lives, their businesses, and their relationships. And it all came from this accident. And what I realized is that many people probably weren't expecting it to go there today, brother. Mm -hmm. But what's very important to acknowledge is, yes, I have a very unique story, but every single one of us has a unique story. What's important is that we pause long enough to extract the lessons we can from our stories and then become intentional with how do we apply them in our lives moving forward. And we also all have the ability to do that. We also all have the ability to tap into the collective wisdom of other people's stories to shorten our own curve to learning. Mm -hmm. And so all I'm doing now is fulfilling my purpose, which is to allow my truth to give others permission to live theirs. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm. So much in there, what you just said. I mean, amazing. Um, and, and I'm thinking about you know, the listeners right now who are creative people, right? They're artists of some kind, makers, they're content creators, they're wanting to create something and put it out into this world. And so much of that is tied to themselves and their own experiences and how they view the world and things, right? And I'm, I'm like zeroing in on, on you talking about how this process of knowing yourself and using the pain and the trauma to actually not try to ignore it, but actually embrace that and work through that, right? Um, what would you say to the person who's listening right now, who's thinking like, you know what, I've got this stuff. Maybe it's the struggling artist mentality, right? You know, I'm never going to make any money. Uh, I, I just don't know. I'm creating this stuff and nobody's looking at it and I can't reach people. How do you get them to shift the mindset there? Yeah, well, what I want to really acknowledge is that it's it's much more than mindset. Mindset's just a component of it. And this is another lesson I learned through my own life. I had a very, very good mindset. It served me very well for a long time until it didn't, right? I think mindset where it fails us is it's truly an intellectual narrative. And it's one that can be fabricated. It's one that we can create. And mindset's critically important. So in no way do I minimize mindset. It is a significant part of the equation. But I will tell you that mindset and mindset alone also led me down a path that led to isolation, disconnection, a deep level of shame and anger because that mental narrative was also there to protect myself. So I'd created armor through my narrative to demonstrate to the world who I was, even though inside I didn't feel that way, hmm. right? So mindset and mental toughness are only part of the component, but what we know that exists with so many people in the creative space is that value is determined based on what somebody's going to pay in that space. And so we also know how often people get taken advantage of. We also know how commoditized this can be. And so inevitably what I wanna really help people recognize is that that pattern, and I know you don't want to hear it, is somewhat external, but largely fabricated and created internally as well, because it's not about just a mindset shift to say, I'm going to be a phenomenal creative artist, but it's about understanding that the things that really keep you stuck are not about the strategy and tactics with which you do your art. It's not about the fundamentals. It's not about your line weight. It's not about your color saturation. It's not about the contrast. It's not about what you put into the world. It's not about any of that. What keeps you stuck is a combination of your emotional triggers, behavioral patterns, and environmental conditioning. Until you can actually understand that the unavoidable pre precursor to change is acceptance, 
you cannot alter things. So until you recognize that you've got a deep level of shame that impacts your self-worth, which makes you not able to sell your actual work at what it's worth in the external world, because you don't even value it yourself, then you're not ever going to actually close that gap and put yourself on a path to succeed. And so the reality of it is whether it's the struggling artist, whether it's the successful business person, it's the lack of identification and connection to who you are because you forgot who you are and instead became who the world told you who to be. Mm -hmm. It's no different. But all of that does is it creates resistance. It creates energy drain. It creates interference in our worlds, creates all this noise, this pressure, this stress, this anxiety that we start to internalize, which, oh, by the way, starts to literally kill the creative process, because all of that comes organically from within inside. Mm -hmm. And so when we start armoring ourselves through narratives, we start armoring ourselves through the way that we protect ourselves in the world, thinking that we're making ourselves safe, we're actually eliminating and crushing what we're actually seeking to achieve, what we want to receive, because there's an energetic block because we're carrying armor with us. Mm -hmm. I will tell you, I told you I chased the what's. I had all the what's I wanted. Woke up at 27 and all of a sudden realized, wow, I was isolated and alone. I had this deep level of shame, but I also for a long time in my life never believed I was a creative person. Mm. I'm a highly creative person. Yes. Deeply mm. creative, deeply innovative. But I had gotten this narrative that I wasn't creative because I, I couldn't draw, right? Mm. But yeah. I'm an artist with my words. I'm creative in the experiences and visualizations that I give to other people to understand how to move through things but I also actually have other applications around creativity, right? I'm actually a pretty damn good videographer. I've become a pretty damn good photographer. Mm -hmm. I used to always say, oh, I can look at art. I could never do that until I started actually getting behind a camera and starting to realize that, no, I was having fun through this medium. This was a way I could express myself. And one of the analogies I use is so many of the times we don't recognize that we can just simply shift the lens with which we view the world through if we recognize it's not just about mindset, but that it's actually understanding the connection between our intellect and our emotion, our mind and our heart, that 18 inch journey that we need to close is how we see ourselves more clearly. And when we have the ability to do that, then especially as creatives, because so much of our art and work comes from our heart, not our minds, mm -hmm. then we actually can represent who and how we're trying to move through the world even more accurately than we could if we just shift our mindset. It's about creating a holistic you that's connected to anything and everything that's flowing through you and around you. Mm, that's powerful. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned about, you know, not thinking you were creative because it wasn't the obvious expressions that we tend to look at. Um, and that's something I talk to a lot of people about too, because their first reaction is, oh, I can't draw a stick figure. I can't play an instrument. I can't do all these things. And I'm like, yeah, but there are so many things that you can do. Let's exactly. look at how creativity is actually already showing up in your life. And let's redefine what creativity is in your world, because obviously there's a disconnect there. And when we can start to see ourselves as creative people, we can start to move into more expressions of that. And so much of the, the things that we have to offer can come out because we're, we're actually, like you said, valuing then, oh, yeah. you know what? This actually doesn't just have value to me in my day to day, but actually can have value to somebody else, right? So how do you define creativity? Yeah, you know, I think it's, it's ideas and it's um, intent of creating something and putting it out into the world so that it not only serves you and your needs to express or to to make something that wasn't in existence, but then also to serve the people around you. Uh, for me, it has that two prong approach of it's personal. Yes. 
but it doesn't stop at like personal expression or or serving only self. It has to serve, I think, the the greater good of people around you, um, yeah. so that it's it's a, a a more holistic approach. You know, I just think it's interesting because it's you know I, I often ask people when we first start working with them, I'm like, hey, you know, how do you define success? Because I think it's really important to understand that, right? And and it's, mm-hmm. especially in this environment where we're having a creative chat, we're talking to creatives and we're talking about this. Part of even what you talked about is that the, the starving artist or the lack of connection to creativity in some cases is, is we're not perceived as successful. Right. Right. And part of what you were talking about too is that we need to kind of redefine creativity to understand that the modalities, the mediums and the w- pathways that we can be creative through are much more expansive and readily available to all of us if we choose to recognize that creativity can hold a different definition than maybe we thought or were mm-hmm. taught externally, which is no different than the success paradigm, mm-hmm. right? So a lot of times people, right, I think about success, people who make a lot of money, have material things, right? There might be like, oh, they've got a good family too. But a lot of these are externally defined until you can actually understand your definition of success, your definition of creativity, it's not gonna manifest through you as authentically as if you're using an external definition. So your yeah. creativity definition, by the way, was beautiful. I don't think I've ever heard it described that way before, mm. but it's extremely powerful. And clearly it's something that you've not only thought about before, but that is how you demonstrate your creativity through the world. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And and much to what you were talking about before, you know, I had to go through this process of almost like deconstruction and then reconstruction, right? And figuring out, oh, okay, well, I, I went to art school. I was in design world for a long time, but there were certain skills and things that I was taught and certain connections I had and and certain the external, you know, the what, if you will, of what you said before. But there was still this disconnect internally of like people would talk about style. People would talk about your voice in your work. And I'd be like, I don't really understand what that is. I don't understand how you get, does that, does that like visit you one day? Does it like show up, you know, like magically? Does it talk I didn't really, to you in your head? Exactly. I, I was like, I don't, I don't understand this. Right. Until finally I went through the series of, of where 10 years, I did no art whatsoever, suffered from depression, ended up coming back to my art as something that I just was like, I need to have joy in my life. And I know that this brought me joy at one point, not for like clients and committees and all the rest, but just because I wanted to do it for me. And can I do this again? And as I embarked on that journey, it was unfolding to go, okay, yes, this is bringing healing. Yes, this is bringing some joy, but there's something deeper here. And I'm getting a sense of self-discovery through this process. And it's leading me to things like my voice and my style and going, oh, I like messy things. I'm not going to be sitting there and trying to do really refined, tight renderings of things because that frustrates me so much. That's not you. Exactly. 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 Yes. And so like, that's the thing is like, this happens all the time. I mean, I was, I, I could give you 15 examples of this around creativity where somebody had stifled the creative side of themselves and it led to this path of destruction, depression, disconnection in their life. Right. There's an individual I know who legitimately crazy story. Right. He was a creative writer up until the age of about 12. It was something he loved. He like loved to write as a kid. It it was an expression for him. It was this, but it was beaten out of him. His dad didn't see it as a viable medium. Writing was nothing that was going to exist. So he was literally put into a place where he was not allowed to write, but he was channeled into sports. Now he was a good athlete, but here's what ended up happening. He ended up killing off a part of himself. And what happens is not only is he lacking the connection with that, he's grieving the process of something that was a great processor for him and a way to express himself in the world. And so what does he do? He turns to other modalities. 
to the point that he got into heavy amounts of alcohol, heavy amounts of drug, spent a decade in prison because of a heroin something that took place, right? Reality of it is, is he didn't start writing again until he was 60 years old. Hmm. Everything, he'd lost his life, his wife, his kids, all of it, all of it gone. And then he started writing again. And a light just started to come back into his world. All of these dependencies on things that he'd been using to numb all the pain that he'd experienced, he no longer wanted or needed because he was actually honoring who he was. Mm -hmm. He was allowing that expression to come into the world in such an authentic way that it was, it was connected to him and it was real and it was there. Yeah. But how often do we get people who literally stifle or shut something off that is so innate to them, that is so real? You just did it yourself. I went away mm -hmm. from art for 10 years because... I was told I needed to fit into the box of what being a creative artist looked like. And I needed to follow the line weights and the colors and all the everything to make sure that I had the style that was going to play. Mm -hmm. When no one in your path actually enabled you or empowered you to understand how to find your own style, how to connect to you and to recognize that there's a gazillion different styles because there's a gazillion different creatives and allowing that self-expression to exist is no different than the mission I'm on. Yeah. It's allowing people to understand how to show up in the world as who they are and recognize that it doesn't matter who the world has told you who to be. If yes. you want to get rid of the depression, anxiety, stress, fear, scarcity, all of it, deal with your shit. Mm -hmm. But also allow yourself to honor you and the things that light you up. Yeah. Yeah, totally, totally. And and I'm so excited that you're saying all this because it so resonates with me. You know, my my journey and my um the process that I've put around this is a daily creative habit. You know, I talk about that all the time. I have a group and I have, you know, these things that I try to share from my own journey principles to help other people, other creative people to say, listen, we need to engage with this and we need to engage with it in such a way that there is self-discovery and there is this embracing and working through so that we can be authentic to that part of ourselves and show up as we really are. And so that we win, but then us also, like I said before, other people around us win because when we're showing up like that, then other people start to go, Oh, like, wow, you're creating something that I've been looking for for a really long time right. and no one has ever made that, but thank you for stepping into that moment because now you've helped solve a problem for me. And yeah. now I can go on and do the same for somebody else. You know, it's powerful. And again, I think sometimes it's just us recognizing the power of our story can enable somebody else to alleviate the suffering in their own lives, right? I believe suffering comes in four areas. Things that are left unsaid, right? The things that we lack permission to feel or say, the things we lack the words to articulate, or the things that are left undone. Your creative chats conversations give people the understanding to recognize the disconnection from these things actually lead to a pathway that probably doesn't fulfill their lives. Yes. I just had a conversation yesterday with somebody. It's interesting, right? Highly successful individual. He's in the healing field, in the medical field. But here's the crazy part. Like he's in a, a quartet and sings. He's in he's he, what he called like, a, I can't remember the term he used, but it was something like a inventor that nothing ever goes out to marketplace. He has all these different creative outlets. But what was interesting is through the pattern of the conversation, and I'm not going to call who this person out is. It's it's nobody's business. But, but, but through the pattern of conversation, he'd be like, well, I did this, but... Yeah, well, I created this really cool invention that helped and I've been using it for the last decade, but I never did anything with it. Wow, well, I, I, I'm not really a good inventor, even though I've done these 17 things. Well, I'm in the quartet, but I'm the youngest one there. And so that's the only reason that I'm there is because they needed me there, right? Like downplayed everything that was actually his creative expression and connection to himself. Mm. And how often do creatives do that as well? Where it's like, oh, even yeah. if you're operating in that field, it's like, if you're not going to be famous at the highest of high levels, then it's not worth doing. Why? 
If it's even just a creative expression that you share to nobody and it's just for you, but it's an outlet to process and connect to ways of expression for who you are, what you're dealing with, your life, your lessons, your stories, then who cares? But what was interesting is like he was literally even stopping himself from accepting and giving himself grace around all the cool stuff he was doing. Hmm. And how often do we do that as creatives, right? Take a picture and we'll take it 15 more times because it doesn't look quite right, right? Or we never want to show our finished piece out to the world because we're afraid of the judgment, even though we Mm -hmm. might be secretly proud of it. Yeah. Right. Like how often do these emotional triggers actually keep us from representing who we are to the world through our actions and through our work? Yeah. And it's just yeah. sad to see. And that's one of the reasons I think it's, I, I felt so connected to you is I'm like, dude, yeah, I would love to talk about this because I, I was on a path where I had killed myself, who I was. Yeah. And I wasn't having creative outlets. And now they're just a part of everything I do. They're integrated into my day with even our, our studios and the equipment that we use. You saw me running around at an event taking pictures like <laughs> yeah. I like it. It's a cool way to add value back to the other speakers. I don't need to sit there. I can listen and absorb and still give them something that shows them how I view them through my lens. Mm -hmm. And that's what's really important is sometimes we just all stop to show each other how we see other people so that they can sometimes see themselves as clearly as we see who they are. Mm -hmm. Yes. So powerful. I mean, wow. It makes me also think about this conversation I had the other day with somebody where they were talking about their journey and how they got really fixated on a specific what, right? Like they said, I think I want to be an illustrator. And so they they leveraged everything towards that. But then as they got closer to that, they, they were like, you know what, but there's these other things that are happening creatively that I kind of feel pulled towards those things. And then they'd start to kind of veer off to that. And then, and there was a little bit of like, almost frustration in the process of unfolding this thing and going like, well, I feel a little disconnected from who I really am maybe in some of these things. And so we started talking about and exploring this whole thing of being okay with open-handedness as you're approaching the specifics of that, because you're still trying to figure out who you truly are and how you, how you need to show up and how that creativity is connected to that. And this person ended up in the place where they were like, you know what, actually I'm a storyteller. And sometimes I use illustration, sometimes I use film, sometimes I use, you know, whatever the expressions were, those all supported the bigger thing of I'm a storyteller. Yeah. And he wouldn't have gotten to that place had he not stayed engaged with the process and kept, kept asking questions. Right. But that also meant that he likely wasn't able to actually judge and blame and shame himself for the work that he was paying attention to the feedback that he was getting through the energy and operating in these things. Is it feeding him? Is it draining him? Is it fulfilling what he wants to do? Is he getting lit up when he does it? Or is it something that he avoids, right? Like so many times people don't even pay attention to that dynamic. It's pretty simple. Like if you just listen to your own body, your own mind and your own experience, it often points you at what's important. It points you towards who you are, what your purpose is and how you need to be fulfilling it. Because those moments of resistance and energy drain are when there's a misalignment between who we are and how we're operating in the world. Or a misalignment between our intellectual and our emotional narrative that we haven't actually found a way to close. So we're operating with two different truths real time. Mm. But in this case, he took it as feedback. Cool. I learned it. It's a good thing. It's a tool that I now have access to, to help Mm. me fulfill my real mission, which is to tell stories. Now I've got another tool to tell a story, even though this isn't what's going to light me up most of the time. 
Right. Right. But that's also because he was able to look at that objectively future focused instead Mm -hmm. of historical and judging all the reasons why this isn't working or why he doesn't like it. Yes. Yeah. And how many creatives do that? Right. Where they just completely blame, shame and judge every piece of work rather than recognizing that even what you and I talked about before this show, what's meant to be is going to be and what conversation needs to be had and what words need to be there will arrive when the time is right. Sometimes in creativity, it's more about surrender than forcing something. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I'm, I'm just speaking real time here. I'm in this place and in this season in life where that's where I'm at this year has been surrender. It's been let go, let go of attachments, let go of expectations of past and how my creativity looked back then and how I think it should look today and even future oriented, right? Letting go of future and being so dialed into specific results or specific um, uh, outcomes that, that are outside my control. And so not being frustrated by that or, or setting myself for, for disappointment and some things. And where does that leave me? It leaves me with today to show up today and go, you know what? I'm open today yeah. to the conversations that happen. I'm open to the work that comes my way as I show up and do work hard and, and create things. I'm looking and I'm more aware yeah. and dialed into what may come. And it, it's, it's a freeing place to be and also brings you a lot more peace because you're not trying to strong arm so many things and you're not in this struggle mentality. Yeah. Um, and you're able to show up more as yourself and going, this is who I am. This is what I do. Now I'm going to see where things align and I'm going to look for people that I can have conversations with and partner with and do work with um, and see where that leads to and yeah. just do more of that. Right. Um, I'm feeling more, aligned with even just helping others and being more of that voice and um, presence in people's life to help them with their own creativity, right? Yeah. So not just a practitioner myself of going, yes, I'm I'm a designer and yes, I'm an illustrator and I have all these things that I actually do the skill and the task, but more than that, it's who I am, my story, yeah. leveraging my experiences to help other people, you know? That's powerful, brother. Do, mm-hmm. do I have permission to challenge you on a language piece that sure. you used in that? Yeah. And it was really subtle, which is why I'm pausing, because I want to bring it to your attention. Sure. You did say it through the lens of surrender. So I want to be really clear here. I, what you said was that you're trying to let go of what the future of your art should look like, who you should be as an artist. And all I wanted to do was pause that really quickly, because what, what I love is that you are in the process of surrender. So you're, I think, doing what I'm going to lead you towards. But I want everybody in the audience to listen to this. Yeah. Should is a shame-based word. Because it implies that whoever you are, whatever you're doing, or wherever you are, isn't good enough. Right. And so how often do we wake up in the morning and say, I should have gotten up earlier. I should have worked out this morning. I should have not eaten those French fries. I should have actually had the salad. I should have, I should have, I should have. And at the end of the day, we are putting ourselves into a toxic shame cycle, right? Even in creative work, man, I should have waited for the sun to go down a little further. Man, I should have put a little bit heavier line weight on that. Man, I should have used different words and how I described it right? What I want everybody to recognize is should is putting you into a toxic shame cycle where you are actively judging yourself based on whatever you think has to happen, probably more often than not based on an external narrative that's just creating noise for you. Mm. But we can replace the word should with what, what could my creativity look like in the future? What would I have done in the past around my creativity to make sure that I could foster the skills that I want to do? 
What would I do differently now that I have this understanding of surrender? And how can I apply that differently in my art into the world? And how could I show up for other creatives to make sure that we can have chats that are really going to connect the dots and curate conversations that are going to alleviate some of the patterns that they might exist in their lack of ability to move forward in their creative world? And so everything you just shared is highly powerful, but I want everyone to understand the power of language as well, because even the word should puts that toxic shame into our environment. And for so many creatives, that's the greatest emotional trigger they've got to learn how to move through. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I so appreciate you just calling attention to that and wholeheartedly agree. And I think even in that, that's my working through the attachment stuff, right? Of should, because of what, even if it's an idea of what I think something should look like, because this is what I've seen others attain, or this is what um, I think is, you know, my, uh, my preferred outcome on something. And, and it's definitely been the process of being more open-handed. Sometimes it's some days prying the, the grip open yeah. and going, no, I'm going to be open to what this looks like. And, um, and, and like I said, the, there, there is a certain freedom and joy that comes back into things Huge. where you're not so just stressed and at war with yourself, you know? And even putting the word should in there creates armor and an energetic block for you to actually have your full creativity flow through you. Mm -hmm. Right. So think about how many people get writer's blocks or how many people like are trying to complete a a commissioned piece and they just can't find the way to get like the creativity is not there. And instead of finding a way to separate and surrender, maybe get into nature or go be with people they love or do something that lights them up in a different way and cause a little break there. Instead, what do they do? Well, I should be, I should be at my studio working. I should mm-hmm. be doing this. I should be finding the way to write this. I should be sitting in front of my computer, right? And it's, and we're literally creating the energetic block for the piece that we need to create. Yeah. And so just pay attention to that as well, because what energy are you bringing into anything that you're actively working on, that you're actively trying to create? Or if it's not even something that's tangible and pragmatic, what are you trying to manifest into the world through your creativity? Hmm. All of these things matter as it relates to how we're blocking or allowing ourselves to be open, like you say, and receive what we're supposed to have flow through us into the world. And I say supposed to, not from a shame place, but just from an absolute acceptance that we know what will be, will be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Would you have some practical steps that someone could, if they're listening right now and they're like, oh my gosh, this is so speaking to me, like some practical next steps for people? Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm really big and I'll just run through it at a very, very high level but I'm big at helping people understand how to actually move through some of these things. And so we've got what we call an inside out method. It looks different for everybody else. It's not a seven step system for success. There are four steps, but they can look inherently different with a million other steps in between. So I'll just basically isolate this because if you're feeling any of these things, if you're feeling this emotion, you're feeling that block, you're feeling the disconnection, you're feeling isolation, lack of worth or anything that we talked about, any negative emotion that you don't feel like is fulfilling your life, this is a pathway that can typically help it. It starts with awareness. We have to become aware of the emotion or emotions that have either kept us stuck or keep us from moving forward. We cannot be intentional with anything we're unaware of. Our minds process 11 million bits of information, but we're only consciously or about 40. So what that says is we're largely led by the unconscious. And until we go through a systematic process of moving the unaware to the aware, the unconscious to the conscious, we're gonna be stuck. We're gonna be victims. It's gonna feel like life is fate. Like we have no influence or control over our destinies or our creativity. But if we actually can put ourselves into a position where we have a systematic process to start to raise our levels of awareness, then we can actually start to get back more influence and control in our destinies. 
But again, if you're a struggling creative or artist that's never been able to get paid what you thought it was worth, or as a photographer that doesn't go in and know how to charge for a wedding appropriately, and you're doing it way below what you need to be doing to be able to sustain your bills and your growth, right? Any of these factors, guess what? Pay attention to the fact that there's an emotional trigger tied to that. So become aware. The second is that you've got to own it. You've got to own those emotional triggers and you've got to own the damage that they've created in and around your life. Where have they kept you from actually fulfilling and being authentic to who you are, living the life that you want, or having the connection with the people around you that you desire, right? For me, I dealt with a deep level of shame. I'm a husband and father first. I said that early, right? So when my wife would ask me, hey, what are we gonna do with the kids this weekend? When I was dealing with a deep level of shame, what would happen? I would hear that through my shame filter, which would hear it this way. Hey, you've not done enough to be a good husband and father in the last two weeks. So what are you gonna do to make up for it this weekend? Mm -hmm. Not what she said, what I heard though, right? So what would I do? I'd get defensive. My chest would rattle off and I'd rattle off the 10 things I did the prior few days to show that I was a good husband and father because I was going to show her. That wasn't even what she was saying. Mm -hmm. But I then created damage that I now need to go create repair for. And that's a part of the ownership process. Wherever there's damage, we need to create repair. Then we get to the root or root of the emotion, source or source of the emotion. So I'm curious, have you ever done any weeding in your life? Have you ever pulled a weed out of the ground? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> have you ever had one grow up out of, out of the concrete, the driveway or the mm -hmm. sidewalk? Yeah, yes. how do those work for you? Are you able to get the, the weed out? No. <laughs> Bloody knuckles. <laughs> Bloody knuckles. And then what happens? That fucker's root still keeps growing back. Right? So you keep chopping it off, but that's what we're taught to do with our emotions. Cut it off at the top. Don't feel it. Show up with a smile on. Move fast. And guess what? The root of that emotion just keeps getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And the effects of it are going to keep coming back in your life. You have to effectively unroot it. Literally dig that screwdriver in the ground and wrap it all the way around and pull it out. Because once we have that empty hole, we need to create it with new patterns, new thoughts, new beliefs, new emotions, and new narratives that actually create the real world we live in versus the one that we're creating based on our patterns of our past. Mm. And then the last is move. We need to understand how these emotions move through us. How do they move through our world and how do we move through them? I've got five or six different ways that shame moves to my body. I told you one just a second ago. I was in the corporate space for a long time, working with multi-billion dollar organizations. I talk fast, I walk fast, and I'm loud. How many times in a meeting I'd be sitting there and somebody would say, shh, Brian, you can't talk that loud. You can't talk that fast. And immediately I'd shrink down in myself, biting my tongue, feeling like I'm unworthy, having a knot in my throat. Guess what? Same emotion moved completely differently than it did with my wife. I have to understand how that emotion moves through my body so that I can start to identify it real time. Because once I know how it moves through my body, then I can start to understand what triggers me. That's how it moves through my world. I have five or six different ways that shame moves through my body. I have about 50 different triggers for my shame. Hmm. It's about patterning those and understanding how to connect them that we get to take back control because it's in those moments we get to pause, take a breath, and ask ourselves, is what we're seeing right in front of us real or is it fabricated based on the patterns of our past? Is this because of how my grandpa looked at me when I was four? Is it because of how my my mom used to tell me I loaded the dishwasher incorrectly, mm -hmm. right? The reality is we have to get to the root or root of those emotions, understand how to pattern where it moves through us and moves in our world, because those are the moments that we start to move through them. And the more we do this regularly and consistently, the less resistance and energy we carry forward and the more creative we allow ourselves to flow. Mm, that's powerful. Yeah. I love that there's this just, it's it, a challenge, right? Because you have to have agency over and ownership over your own journey and your own self. Um, nobody's going to come and do this for you. There's, you need to show up and work through these things. And I love that you've outlined it in, in such a way um, that it makes it more accessible. And like you said, really the, the first thing of becoming aware, I think even in this conversation, there are people who are listening going like, I'm starting to at least be aware of some things. And 
then it's okay. What am I going to do with that? Right. Right. Yeah, that's right. Mm. So good. So good. Um, I would love to know, do you have some resources for some people that maybe they can go a little bit further or, you know, how can people, you know, get around you and hear more of this and, and absorb some of this? Yeah. So um, if you're on social media, I'm at Bogart Brian on any channel. You've been following me for a little while. You see, we put out a ton of content and we do it because we're on a mission to impact over a billion lives as quickly as possible. Right. You'll even see that most of our stuff doesn't have calls to actions. I might have one call to action a month on one piece of content. We post three to four times a day. So we put a lot out there because we really want to elevate and empower everybody. And so a lot of what we talk about, a lot of what we teach, though it might not be applicable and specific, like I do with our clients, it's readily accessible. Right. Mm -hmm. And I want people to have access to it. Uh, we also do have a free course that we developed. It uh, We spent a lot of time, energy and in, in doing this. We've got over 30 minutes of video content to begin with the end in mind and start to really start to think about purpose, legacy and some of the identifications around who you are. And so I say this uh, with full disclosure, you get access to the free course for free. Yes, I get your email. Yes, you get some emails in response to it. Yes, you get some emails through the course of it. And you'll get four when you're done completing the free course to look for opportunities to outline further. But I want to be really, really clear here. This is not to spam you forever. This is not to put you into a perpetual sales cycle. This is to elevate and empower you. So if you get moved by it, all I ask is that you move it through the world, right? Mm -hmm. Whether or not you purchase from me doesn't matter. I more or less want people to be empowered to do this because the ripple effect is what's going to follow. And we get to a billion lives because move people, move people. And that's where collective impact is going to come from. Mm. So go to nolimitsprelude.com to get access to that. If you know exactly who you are, you have no idea who you are, you're somewhere in between, I promise you this will add value to your life. Mm. Love that. Love that. And this is something that I can see, as you say, like the ripple effect, right? Especially as creative people, you know, we're, we're making something and putting it out into the world. And typically it's tied to an experience we've had, something we're processing, something that's important to us that's had impact on us. And I can see even as people would engage with you in this in this material and, and this process, that that will have impact on what they create. And so I can even see how it will ripple out through what people create and how they create. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. Well, thank you, my friend. I mean, that's that's truly what we're trying to do. You know, I think uh, I, I I was the MC at a, at a good friend of mine celebration of life last week, and and I don't mean to bring this down. But the analogy was he had cardiac issues his whole life. He was a pediatric cardiac patient. He ended up losing his life at 32 years old. But, you know, it's really interesting because he talked a lot about ripple effect. And he and I did a lot of philanthropic work together over the years. And when I started thinking about it, and what I made comments on for at, at this event was the fact that I think about the ripple effect and I think about sound waves, right? And how they just go in perpetual motion until they bounce off of something and go somewhere else right? They're equally patterned. They just stay consistent. And then it got me thinking about the fact that our heartbeats are that. Our heartbeats are literally a ripple effect. It's a wave. It's a sound wave. It's an energy, right? And so if we actually just realize that so much of this is created by our authentic connection to who we are, which more often than not, I think is driven through the heart, then that ripple effect is actually created with every single moment, every single beat of our hearts and every single moment and energy that we connect to. Because we all have the ability to put that into the world in a way that we all can feel it and can all connect to it. And mm -hmm. so for anybody listening to this today, I just ask you, where can you be the heartbeat in your life? Where can you be the heartbeat for others? And where can you allow your heartbeat to create a rhythm and an effect and a ripple effect in your life that will actually give people permission to be exactly who they are because of the safe space you've created for them by living your own truth? Mm -hmm. Beautifully said. Yeah. 
Love it. Man, we're already at the top of our time, which I can't believe. I mean, I feel like I could talk to you for days, <laughs> you know, and appreciate your passion around what you talk about too. Um, but I, I want to ask you one last question. And yeah, that would really. be with all the things that you have created and are creating, is there something that you've yet to move into that you're just looking like, this is what's coming. This is something I really want to do next. Well, I've done a lot of writing, but I've not actually tackled the book path yet. And I will tell you, I, I've done, I've not tackled it to the point of completion. I've co-authored a number of books. I've actually start and written books and just never released them. And it wasn't because I was worried about the judgment. It's because I knew that the story wasn't right for what I wanted out in the world. Mm. And so that will be a creative process for me at some point. Uh, because that's something that I had convinced myself of as well is that I couldn't write. And it turns out I'm actually a pretty damn good writer. And so it's 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 now going to be an interesting process because I think that that will be something in the future is where and how I take the way I communicate audibly and translate that into a similar rhythm that operates at a slightly different frequency in written format. Because... I do believe that our words, our stories, and the mediums with which we deploy them through is how people can receive us. And mm -hmm. so not everybody has access to receive me because of the way they receive information and the way that I typically put it out in the world. We want to have an impact on such a broad level that it's going to cause me to need to learn the tools to be able to communicate through those different mediums so that we've got a farther, more impactful, broad reach. Mm. Love it. Love it. Man, I feel like each question I ask you, the, the, it's so well thought out and so deep in in your um, just wanting to connect with people however possible and, and be a help. And that just comes out in everything that you say. I so appreciate that of you, Brian, really. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you. Amazing. Well, uh, again, we're at the top of our time and uh, I just want to thank you, man. I appreciate the, the conversation we've had today and the work that you do. And I'm encouraging everybody to make sure that they follow you, that they they, they take the challenges that you put out there because really it is going to help them and then help other people. So thank you. Yeah. Well, dude, thank you for building a platform for me to be able to come to you and pour some good into the world. And uh, thank you for who you are and how you show up for others. Uh, I know you do a lot of little things that many people don't see. I saw some of them at the event and uh, truly it's special. So thank you for the opportunity to be with you, brother. Thanks for listening today. I'd appreciate it if you would subscribe, leave a rating and a review. It really helps this podcast be seen and heard by others.